let me look up how to say his name because I don't think I should mispronounce it. Yeah. How to pronounce <laughs> Stephen. <Metemoglobinemia. laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mr. Reticle, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. I'm Lynn. And I'm JP. So let's follow the rainbow as we discuss the case of Charles Self. Um, no one will know how sweet it is till we get there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know that I know this one, actually. You might not. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. But it was big in Ireland at the time. So I don't I don't know. Mm, well, I'm excited to hear about it. Before we get started, I have a little bit of housekeeping. It's kind of on topic since it's Harvey Milk Day. Do you not want me to say that? No, you can. Okay. Since it's Harvey Milk Day, it's kind of on topic. Well, it's a couple of days before Harvey Milk Day. Yeah. Just so, um, <laughs> so it's kind of on topic since it's uh, Harvey Milk Day in a couple of days, but in Iran, Ali-Riza Fazeli Monfared was brutally murdered and beheaded by his brother and cousins in Iran in an honor killing on May 4th. Uh, he was only 20 years old. Hmm. His brother and cousins found out that he was exempt from the military service, like the Iranian military, uh, due to sexual depravities. Being LGBT in the military is not okay out there. And it is punishable by death. So anyway, he was exempt from the military service. He spoke to his mom on the phone at 7 p.m. on May the 4th. And shortly after, his brother, half-brother, got to his house and said that his father needed to see him. So they got in the car together and he was taken to, Ali Rizzo was taken to the village of Barumi, where they murdered him, beheaded him, and then dumped his body by a tree. He had been planning to, yeah, he had been planning to flee Iran to join his boyfriend as a refugee in Turkey. So he was like about to cross that line mm. where he's out of the country and like safe. Yeah. Um, and apparently the killers called Ali Riz's mother just after the murder to tell her where the body was. Just goes to show like, don't wait. If yeah. you're gonna do something, just do it. Like, yeah. Don't, don't wait. So the killers were arrested and his mother was hospitalized uh, with shock. And yeah, so I don't know like what will happen with those arrests if they will, you know. Stick. Yep. But in Iran, six in 10 queer people are assaulted by family members and almost half have been sexually assaulted in public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's horrible. Very horrible. So our hearts go out to him. Yeah. And his boyfriend and his mother mm. and anyone who cared of him. That's awful. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Turning this next page. I am going to talk a little bit about Harvey Milk. Because oh, okay. he's one of the reasons I chose this one. Because we're, we're releasing it on the 18th. And Harvey Milk Day is his birthday, which is the 22nd. Ah, uh, he's two days after my birthday. I know, he's a little baby Taurus. Not yeah. Taurus. Gemini. Gemini. Yeah. Wrong side. Wrong side of me. Mm -hmm. 
He was the first, in case no one knows who he is. Remote, yeah. He was the first openly gay elected political official in the history of California. In 1972, he moved from New York City to San Francisco, along with many other LGBTQ men during that big influx of them. Yeah. He ran three separate times for office unsuccessfully, and he finally became a city supervisor in 1977. He served for 11 months, which seems short. Um, but even in his short time in office, he helped sponsor a bill that banned discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation in public accommodations, housing, and employment. He became an icon and martyr in the gay community in San Francisco, and he was sadly assassinated by Dan White, who was another city supervisor, on November 27th, 1978. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Post posthumous. I hate this word. Yeah. Posthumously. Posthumous. Obviously, Harvey Milk's murder is not a mystery. So it's not what I'm talking about. But there is no better time like the present than to cover our first like LGBTQ mystery, which right, is right. the murder of Charles Self. Because I don't think we've done one yet. Have we? No. No. Or not specifically that was like a hate crime, at least. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we've done any. Well, here we go. You ready? <laughs> Embrace myself mm, for okay. castles and love castles other irish things whiskey Ooh, <laughs> never been to ireland but i Me think either. i'm going to enjoy it because i think irish people are fun yeah. i learned that if you can trace your irish heritage to i think the limit is your great-grandparents which is mine you can become an irish citizen so you're going to apply for it? I think I have to live there to do yeah. it or work there or something. But if I ever do, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you ever if I can find have an yourself Irish in Ireland. Passport, like, yes. Yeah. Just want to go run on the moors. Yeah. <sighs> live in like a cute little cottage. Uh, oh, I love yeah. it. I've never been, but I've, I've always loved Ireland. I like the history and stuff. I think it's fun. Yeah. It's not fun. Some of it's really horrible, but anyway. Yeah. We're heading. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Dublin. We're going to Dublin. And unlike the last Irish case, this one actually happens in Ireland. (laughs) Not in Australia. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going elsewhere. It's just Ireland. And I know I've talked about this. I think I've talked about this with you, JP, but just so we all know, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is the UK. So Great Britain is comprised of England, Scotland, and Wales. Therefore, the UK is England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. The Republic of Ireland separated from the UK in 1922. And then there's Brexit, which I don't really, uh, I don't know where Ireland fell into that. Ireland Um, is no longer the UK? Just Northern Ireland is. So part of Ireland so confusing. is not. And it's weird because Northern Ireland, like Britain's down here and then there's Ireland and then like Northern Ireland's to the top, obviously, because it's Northern. Okay. So Dublin is the capital of the Republic of Ireland. It's not in the UK. Got it. Okay. So we're not in the UK right now. We're, we're not in, in the UK. Pure Ireland. Like it's Irish is Irish can be. We're deep. We're knee deep in whiskey. Yep. 
Mm, gross. I don't like whiskey, especially Irish whiskey. I don't know why. I don't mind it. Maybe I'm... I haven't had. I just don't. Whiskey and I are not friends. That's all. Yeah. No, I I agree. Any of like bourbon whiskey, like those types of things, I'm never. I've never. Bourbon. Been. Bourbon has like a taste that I'm like. I could do like an old fashioned or something, but like Irish. Whiskey, I could do. The, I don't. Yeah. Irish whiskey, I like. Yeah. Taste is too much. Granted, I've only had Jameson, so I'm sure there's much nicer whiskeys that are way better. I can't. No, I don't like it. Anyway, so this incident happened in 1982. And it so it's a few years after Harvey Milk was assassinated in California. Okay. 1982. So like my dyscalculia took over and I looked up what was happening in 1981. And then I was too lazy to fix it. So let's do it though i mean it's getting us ready but the case takes place in january so like oh yeah no this is perfect so 1981 just in general it's the year that the first recognized cases of aids in california happened oh so it's like during that that's when that whole thing started the yorkshire ripper was caught in england charles and princess diana got married Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And the Stardust nightclub fire happened in Dublin. It was an accident, Mm -hmm. um, killing 48 people and injuring 214. But was Diana's death an accident? I don't, that's a whole other episode. That's that's (laughs) coming up, (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Reddick. I don't think, I think we're immune to that one, Arnold. Are we, would we ever do Are we, are we though? I mean, I think it depends. If new evidence came out, I'd be like. Super into it. I would too. I went to see, there was a, a, I don't know, an exhibit after she died. Because when did she die? 92, three? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, and I went with my mom and it was all of Diana's like dresses. So I oh. got to see, it was in Boston and I got to see like all of her outfits Aww. and stuff. It was sad. I think yeah. it was sad. I was a small child. <laughs> I yeah. was like, who, who, what is this? <laughs> but I think my mom really liked her, so. Yeah. All right. So Charles. Not Prince. Not Prince Charles. Charles (laughs) Charles Self, the person we're talking about. The Late Late Show, not to be confused with The Late Late Show with James Gordon, which how there's two of those, I honestly don't understand. Yeah. It is the second longest running late night show after The Tonight Show in the world. Mm -hmm. And I have never heard of it. Its first broadcast was in 1962. And its first broadcast in color was in 1976. They are based in Dublin and are a television program provided by public service broadcaster RTE. I cannot pronounce Irish words. I'm not even going to try. I tried to like kind of learn the alphabet and I'm still clueless. It's a super hard language. Which alphabet? The Irish alphabet. It's not English? No, Irish is a language and it's not Gaelic. Gaelic is Scottish. I think it's like a form of Gaelic. Oh my gosh. I never knew that Irish was its own language. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was just English with a twang. (laughs) A twang, a southern twang. No, like a British twang. Mm-mm. No, I mean, they do speak English, but Irish is also a language, like a really old language. Wow. Yep. So there you go. Now you know. So the set of this show, like most of the 70s, it's all related, I promise. I'm not just talking about some random TV show in the 80s. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's get over this. <laughs> it's quick. It's quick. So the set was. <laughs> Like most of the 70s and early 80s, everything, um, it was varying shades of beige. Yeah. And <laughs> there were geometric shapes in the back. Mm-hmm. And I watched like a short, I like skimmed through a short performance of Tom Waits 
and they like lit the background up with purple and blue lights at the time. So the main set designer for the show at the time was Charles Charles Self. Okay. Charles was born in February of 1949 in England. His mother died when he was quite young and some of his friends in Dublin think he was adopted, but some had also met his father. So they don't really know his history there. Uh, He did have a good relationship with his family though. He was mostly raised in Glasgow, Scotland by an aunt and was on quite good terms with his family. I just said that. I almost said he was awarded the presidential (laughs) medal of freedom. (laughs) Um... No. (laughs) Charles originally worked with the BBC, which has its headquarters in London. Although I'm not sure where Charles like specifically worked or where he lived. Like, I don't know if he lived in London or if he lived in Scotland still or where he was like was that a bbc satellite station or something yeah i don't i have okay. no idea so he worked for the bbc until 1978 when he was convinced to work with rte in dublin so charles moved into ansley muse on brighton avenue in monkstown dublin ansley muse is a small apartment building i don't know what they call them there a flat a flat building a building of flats of yeah flat house <laughs> flat it's super cute okay so like i google earthed it and like it's super cute it looks like a little side street and when you turn right out of like their little lane it's the ocean the the irish sea which i was like that's super cute and it's like stone walls and you know gorgeous very cute and it's just like a little suburb off of um dublin Charles lived with a flatmate who was a presenter for rte vincent hanley i think he became like a famous dj after that too Charles is described as an extrovert. He knew many people in the entertainment business because of his work, and he was quite well known in Dublin's social scene. He preferred to go out more than staying in for a quiet night. He loved his job. He loved art and music. He would attend receptions, grand opening events, book launches, and he frequented local pubs. He was also known to travel and had visited New York a few times, Thailand, and he had a very special love for Santorini in Greece, which who wouldn't? He usually traveled alone, but he was known for being like very bubbly and fun and nice. Yeah. Usually after an evening out, he was known to come home, open a bottle of wine, listen to music or watch music videos, and would sometimes fall asleep in the living room chair. However, on the morning of January 21st, Charles was not found in his usual spot, but at the end of his stairs. So before I get into the murder, I just want to touch on what was happening in Ireland regarding the LGBTQ community at the time. Okay. So, because I was like kind of curious about like what the climate was with all of that. Well, after gaining their independence, Ireland was dominated by Catholicism, not shocking. And they were quite conservative. Homosexuality was criminalized up until the 1990s. During the 1970s, there was a campaign for homosexual law reform in an effort to dismantle these old laws. The case was presented to the Supreme Court of Ireland, but they lost. It was then taken to the European Court of Human Rights in 1988, and the laws were finally reformed in 1993. So during this, in 1982, it was illegal. Yeah. Stupid. Between Uh, men. Lesbians, like, weren't really recognized. It was literally just between men. And where's the separation of church and state, you know? Well, it's it's not America. (laughs) No, but still. Was there one? I don't know. I think that it was like oh, a big thing in England first where they wanted to separate um, church and state. Like, oh, you don't mix the two or whatever. I don't <laughs> you mean whoever's queen isn't like, well, the country's Protestant now. Yeah. 
That's what they did forever. It's just a bit ridiculous. But remember, this isn't in the UK. This is Ireland. Yeah. Separate. Mm -hmm. You do also have to keep in mind, Ireland went on to become the first country in the world to legalize gay marriage by popular vote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, modern day Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, just because there was a conservative attitude in Ireland doesn't mean there wasn't a thriving LGBTQ community in the 1980s. They had resources, clubs, and events that provided safe spaces for them to seek help. They had like a telefriend program in which they could call Uh, to safely discuss their sexuality or coming to terms with their sexuality. And they had specific nightclubs and cafes that served as like the hub for the Irish gay liberation movement, um, which is now named the National LGBT Federation. In Dublin, there were a few main spots where the gay scene thrived. The Bailey, the Hirschfield Temple Bar, Rice's, and Bartley Dunn's, which some of these spots are no longer there. They've been like rebuilt or whatever. Yeah, gentrified or whatever. So that's, that's what's happening. It's illegal, but there's like, there's a scene. It's thriving, but it's like underground. Yeah. Just like here, just like everywhere. The murder. So on January, in January, 1982, in Dublin was exceptionally cold and snowy. There was crazy traffic. There was food shortages and school and business closures. And it typically does get cold, but not like super below freezing. And they don't get a lot of snow. They get more rain than snow Okay. in January, typically. But this winter they had like a lot snow. when it was really cold. So during all of this crazy weather, there were less cars on the streets than usual. Wednesday, January 20th, Charles was hanging out with his friend, Bill Mayer not the famous one so they were hanging out at the bailey until 2 50 p.m so i think this was like a lunch break okay they're long lunches charles car was broken at the time so after grabbing a drink with bill he hopped on the bus to get back to work as he was leaving an older man walked past the two gents and said hello the last thing charles said to bill was hmm i suppose you've had him as well which he was just poking fun he was just Mm -hmm. like making fun of him Charles returned to work and ended up heading back home where he lit a fire because remember, it's fucking freezing before he decided he was going to head back out while waiting at the bus stop. A car picked him up and dropped him off at the O'Connell Bridge. I think it was just like a sympathetic like Like a taxi. No, I think it was like just someone driving by that was like, it's cold. Do you want to ride instead of sitting here? waiting? Self found himself back in the city center of Dublin. Charles found himself back in the city center of Dublin again, and he went back to the Bailey before moving on to Bartley Dunn's. Dunn's? Dunn's? I'm sure it's Dunn's. Yeah. Bartley Dunn's pub was known as a place for men looking for male company. At closing time, he left Bartley Dunn's and wandered over to the Hot Pot Cafe on the Berg Quay. So the Quay is, I had to look it up. There's a river, the bridge. So the bridge that he got dropped off crosses a river and a quay is like a wharf but it's like parallel to the shore and it's not docks or anything like i think it's just a place where people can like moor their boats okay that's how i understood it so he arrived at the hot pot cafe around 11 40 p.m had some food and left at 1205 after leaving the cafe, Charles was seen talking with two men outside of the public toilets on Berg Quay. Note that these public toilets, which like Okay, quick side note, as an American, public toilets in Europe are amazing because they're just like little buildings, but you actually pay. I mean, it sucks that you have to like pay to use them, even though it's a couple cents or whatever. But that also means that they're like clean. Yeah. (laughs) So as someone with a small bladder, they're quite nice. And I wish that we had them. Me too. Yeah. 
So <laughs> uh, back to my note, these public toilets were a known pickup spot within the gay community, supposedly. However, I would like to note his friends explained that Charles didn't hire sex workers and his good friend Bill explained that he had been robbed the year before. So he wasn't prone to taking random hookups home with him. It wasn't right. just wasn't his lifestyle. While on this corner, Charles was seen talking to two young men before he jumped into a taxi with a different unknown man to head back to his apartment around 12.20 a.m. And they were dropped off around 12.40 a.m. at Charles' home. So he went out. He was seen. He got some food after call time, which is super fucking early, but it is Wednesday. So whatever. Um, And then he was seen talking to two men outside this public toilet. And then he got into a taxi. I think so. I think what happened was like he got into the taxi and then someone else got into the taxi with them. It wasn't like- And they were kind of going to the same area or something? I think so. I don't don't fully know. Supposedly, after Charles got home, he had another glass of whiskey. He was in high spirits, but the next morning would be a different story. Bert Tyrer, a fellow set designer who's staying with Charles while his roommate Vincent was out of town. So like, I think when there was like bad weather or something, there were- friends of theirs from their jobs and stuff that would come and stay with them. So they would crash on the couch or whatever, but like his roommate was out of town. So he was crashing in his roommate's room. Got it. That's all. So Bert, who was staying with them, found Charles at the bottom of the steps at 8.45 a.m. One article says that he was found on January 22nd, but the theory is that he was killed like early in the morning on the, on the 21st. So I don't know. Or late at night on the 21st. I mean. It was already after midnight, so. I got it. Morning. Um, so I just don't, I don't know if that's inaccurate reporting or if the day he was murdered was wrong, but most things say that he was murdered on the, on that like Thursday morning. So I don't know if he just, they just quoted it wrong and said okay. Friday, but if not, it's super interesting that there's like a day in between. Yeah. So. Charles had been stabbed 14 times. He had three slash wounds on his throat. One was five inches long. There was also a torn piece of ligature, which was a cord from his flatmate Vincent's red bathrobe, which was found in the small bathroom between the two bedrooms. It was around his throat. With the remaining ties were found still strapped to a chair. He had, I don't know how to say this, one pound and 30 <laughs> pence. I don't know whatever their cents are. Um, in his pocket or 130 pound, whatever. Quid? Quid? Yes, that. <laughs> do you say one pound 30 quid? How do you I say that? So. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. <laughs> help me, Irish people. <laughs> I don't English. <laughs> UK, Ireland, help me. Um, so he had that in his pocket and he was slumped against the front door at the bottom of the stairs. The stereo was still playing and Charles's sweatshirt had been pulled like up under his armpits. Okay. The stab wounds were described as through and through from his chest to his back. Oh my gosh. I know. And they were inflicted onto poor Charles with his own eight inch kitchen knife with a wooden handle. There were, it said music discs, but it's the eighties. So I'm guessing records. records yeah. Scattered outside under the kitchen window. The police believe that the assault only happened in the downstairs of the flat, mostly in the kitchen. Then they moved through the living room before ending up in the narrow hallway by the front door. So I think like you walk in and it's like the living room, the kitchen, and then you go upstairs and it's the two bedrooms and like a tiny bathroom. Yeah. I think at the time it was believed that the murderer wasn't able to open the front door after the fact as Charles was blocking it. 
and they theorize that he climbed through the kitchen window to exit the house before dragging a stone bench to the perimeter wall and jumping it onto the lane. The wall is not short. It's like a stone. Probably like six to eight feet. Maybe six. So I think eight seems tall. Okay. Tyrer, the guy that was staying with him, explained that he didn't hear anything happen that night. He was in his 60s at the time and could have been a little hard of hearing. However, he was awoken by a man who came into his bedroom at 2.30 a.m. who then apologized and mumbled something about being in the wrong room. There had been a sketch made of this man, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. So Tyrer, who was older, didn't hear anything of this crazy violent assault yeah it sounds like there was a huge struggle too yeah in the and i wrote friday or thursday because we don't oh whatever so when he found charles body he stepped over it to get to the phone in the living room so he could call the police and he was unable to get a dial tone so then he ran across the courtyard his call to police was logged in at 8 59 a.m okay supposedly a neighbor in a different building thought they heard screaming that night They investigated for the next week, but the trail went cold and the young man from the taxi was never identified that he like rode with. Okay. Another neighbor, a 70 year old woman who shared their courtyard. So she was in the same building, but shared, they shared a little, their little space, um, said she heard the stone bench dragging against the ground around 4 a.m. And she saw a man climbing over the wall. She also noted that Charles door was slightly open and there was a light on. Charles' autopsy concluded that he died from stab wounds to his neck and back. On January 25th, there was a funeral service at the Presbyterian Church in Blackrock Co. Dublin, which was a packed affair and included the director general of RTE at the time. That same day, Charles was flown to Glasgow for his funeral for his family. The media lost interest in the case a few months later due to two other large murders that happened in July, which took their focus. Then there was the murder of Declan Flynn that following September, he was killed by a gang of youths that the Irish Times called queer bashing. Mm -hmm. The killers received suspended sentences and it left a feeling that gay people didn't really matter in Ireland. Uh Uh-huh. That was a lot. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the investigation. Are we good? Do you understand? Can I've set the scene? got as many yes. details as I could possibly find, which was a lot. Surpri- I surprisingly found a lot of details about the crime scene. Yeah. The investigation was problematic, to say the least. And sadly, I can't say I'm surprised just thinking about the time that Charles was murdered, even here in America, even now, sometimes. <laughs> detective Superintendent, I think is what that stands for. Yeah. Hubert Reynolds and Detective Superintendent Michael Sullivan were in charge of a team of 30 detectives that were responsible for investigating Charles's murder. Journalist Stephen Ray, who has a book called Murders in Ireland, I tried to find it on Amazon, I can't, focused on the police investigation and revealed the two customers believed to be at the Hot Pot Cafe when Charles was there. So there was two people seen at the Hot Pot Cafe that were there separately at the same time that Charles was. Their names were Kitty and Ruby, but we're going to talk about them more in theories, so I'm just going to move on. If the stigma and problematic mindset against homosexuality wasn't enough in this case already, here's some more. Mm. You're about to be real mad because I got really mad. During the investigation, the detectives pursued many gay men as witnesses and suspects, and it became extremely controversial since many of them were affected but were not connected to the murder in any way. On March 20th, so only two months after his murder, The gay community were reporting harassment by the police and that they were demanding that the men are fingerprinted, photographed, and that they all give a statement. Most of these men were not openly gay. 
Yeah. Because it was a crime. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're going to be treated it uh, like this. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're saying that like the police were more focused on catching sex workers than the murderer. Right. Not only sex workers, but like any gay man. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're gay and you're in Ireland and you live in the area, you're a suspect only because the victim is gay. Yeah. And it's like, and they're making lists of them because they're taking their picture, they're taking their yep. fingerprint. Like it's, yeah, no. The men claim that the police harassed them at home and at their jobs. And it led to some of the families to come apart as they were forced to divulge details of their sexual orientation to their family. So they basically outed a bunch yep. of them. There was also concern, according to the National Gay Federation, I think I mentioned them earlier and they have a different name. I don't remember about information that the police were gathering could be released in background checks, which could affect job applications. Yeah. So they were nervous about that. Um, some of the people harassed by the police even ended up leaving the country. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. Especially if you like tore the family apart by outing them. It's just, yeah. Yeah. By late March, there was a public meeting to discuss the large number of complaints about the police. The police also have a different name there. <laughs> But again, I can't pronounce Irish words. So I just wrote police. It's the Garda or the Garday, Gardai. I just didn't, I don't know. It was run by the Council for Civil, Civil Liberties and the Prisons Rights Organization, which have been at the forefront of a lot of legislation for the past 40 years in Ireland. A protest came in April outside of a police station regarding both the harassment and the police's future failure to issue pictures of suspects to the public. The police's response was basically, sorry if you were hurt, but we must move on. <laughs> to what? what? What are they moving on to? Doesn't, it's not like it did much. <laughs> yeah. At this time in Ireland, the gay pride movement started really moving. There were protests regarding Charles' murder, and after September, Declan Flynn's murderers getting lenient sentences. The protests yep. were also in regards to the harassment that some men encountered during the investigation. Mm-hmm. At one point, they even investigated a police officer, including fingerprints, photographs, and an interview. The officer, who was gay but wasn't open about it, was then dismissed from the force. And when I say dismissed, I mean like he was scheduled to work but was given 10 minutes to strip and get out of the office. And to this day, he does not know why he was dismissed, like officially. Yeah. Oh, man. Because he was like, I I don't go out. I don't, you know, he didn't hit the gay scene in any way. And he came up as being gay. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a coworker was suspicious or something. I just, yeah. And probably everyone did like refuse to work with him and stuff. Yeah. So we feel the energy. We see the problem, the harmful stigmas and the brutal, brutal way the police went about questioning suspects who weren't even involved witnesses or suspects themselves. So what a waste of fucking time. Yeah. We're going to move on to the suspects. The two gents that he was seen talking to by the bathrooms in mm-hmm. Berkeley. So one of the men were described as being around 25 years old, skinny, and he was wearing a leather jacket and blue jeans. I don't really have any more information on them. Um, could it be someone he knew? He seemed to be a socialite who enjoyed being out and about as opposed to being in. It could have been someone walking on the street. Like I have friends that will strike up conversation with random people that walk by. Yeah. Um, it's just who they are as people. So as someone with a healthy dose of paranoia and fuck you stamped across my forehead. (laughs) Like I don't, that doesn't, it's not me, but like those people exist. Dublin had a population of around 900 
917,000 in 1982, which seems large for a city in the 80s, but the gay community was still quite small. But Charles knew a lot of people in both sides because he was in entertainment. So he knew a lot. He knew a a lot of people. people. And he was just like a social butterfly, it sounds like. Yeah. So that's all we know about those two men. Okay. So one man, I know nothing. It's literally just yeah. the one. There's one skinny guy and then another one. <laughs> and then a second figure. He's just a silhouette. <laughs> Can't guess his height or anything. Not a no. clue. The man in the taxi. The taxi driver, Patrick Shanley, said the man looked to be about 25. He had blonde hair um, that was somewhat long and like touched his collar. And he was well-dressed. He had a two-piece suit. This man got into the taxi on Eden Quay on the other side of the Liffey River. So I think like he picked up Charles on Berg Quay. So on mm-hmm. one side of the river and then they were driving across the bridge because that was heading to like Charles's apartment and they picked up this guy. So I don't know if they knew each other or like if he just picked up to, you know, like Uber shared. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it? I don't know. Maybe he was like, oh, like this guy's going this way too. Do you mind if we pick him up? Right. Or didn't even ask, just picked him up. So Charles got in first. This man got in second. That's all I know. Some articles say the taxi driver said the man was quiet, but a a few more state that he remembered the two getting amorous in the backseat. He dropped both men off at Charles' home at 12.40 p.m., which was confirmed by a police officer outside of a judge's house in the neighborhood. So he was on, like, 24-hour guard duty. Yeah, but a police officer in this case right now, we're pretty, uh, (laughs) I don't know, skeptical of them. Yep. And what they have to say. The driver gave Charles one pound 30 quid. Uh Uh-huh. So that's the money that was in his pocket, that's all. Kitty and Ruby. The two people from the bar. Yes, and they're boys. Okay. I say boys because they're babies. Kitty, 19, was from Bluebell, which is a suburb in Dublin. He adamantly denied being at the hot pot on that night. Ruby, also 19, from Kulak. Kulak is another suburb in Dublin. He had an alibi and his fingerprints didn't match any found in Charles' apartment. I mean, plus, why are you trying to trace... Two men from a bar back a couple miles away or whatever. I mean, it was the, they were there when he was there. So I don't know. If, I know, like, but like. What if they're the two are they that saying he was that talking they followed to? him? Oh, like, and then like invited them over for a nightcap or something. But that wasn't like his personality. I know. That's why I don't, I don't know. To me, it kind of seems more like somebody was already in the apartment. Yeah. He does like younger men, supposedly, like according to his friends, but he was only 32. So, yeah, he wasn't that old himself. Witnesses were unable to identify Kitty and that taxi driver, Shane Lee, wasn't sure if he was the same person that was in the cab with Charles. So they were like prime suspects at the time that they the police focused on. Yeah. But Ruby literally had an alibi and had no fingerprints and then kitty like no one thinks that it was kitty so i just don't i don't think it was yeah i don't and they're kids i don't know yeah well i don't rule kids out because no me either even then like their families could have given them this uh like fed them the stereotype of gay men and like angered them up to that point where they might like go to a bar and pretend so that they could uh, you know, take a vulnerable life. Yeah. 
we're going to talk about Tyra's mystery man. The one that came in his room was like the, the wrong room. That's how I picture it. Like someone being like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I, I definitely think that was like killer. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Tyra uh, went to bed a little after 12 p.m. that night. At 2.30 p.m., a man came into his bedroom. Well, Vincent's we, bedroom. Real quick. Do we know yeah. Tyra? Mm-hmm. If he That's was his gay? last name. I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. But he worked. He worked. He worked with him. Okay. With Charles. I do have some, I have like speculations, but nothing. Okay. About him, but nothing. Got it. Solid. So he went to bed a little after 12 p.m. that night. At 2.30 p.m. Nope. At 2.30 a.m., a man came into his bedroom. Well, Vincent's bedroom. The man said, sorry, wrong room, and left immediately. Tyra drew a picture of the man, and all he could remember was dark, curly hair. Like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, you didn't do it to, like, a police sketch artist. You drew it, which is fine. But, like, I'm not a great artist. so But you are a set designer, so I guess you would have some. Maybe. I mean. Artistic inclinations. Yeah. But portraiture is different than. Than design, yeah. He and I was also like, how dark was it? And did you actually get a good look? Like you were right. woken up from and you were being asleep. asleep. Right. Two hours in, you're hitting REM at that point. Um, you might be a little delirious. And it's not that super memorable to be like, uh, oh, and then just like go back to sleep. It's not like you had a conversation. Was there a light on in the hallway? Like, how much did you really see? Right. Is my so there's that. Cool. Fresh eyes on old things. We're going to fast forward to 2008. A lot has changed. Detective Garda Alan Bailey was put back on Charles' case. Uh, I think he was involved to some degree. Way in the beginning. beginning. Yeah. Why put him back on me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a big issue with that. I do too. But not, he kind of looked at it with fresh eyes because he wasn't like a main detective on the case. He was just involved with like a small part of it. And that's fine, but like the police at that time were known to be you know, right. that stereotype and get someone fresh, fresh on it. Get someone yeah. who's like is accepting of gay men on it rather than someone who's tolerant of them. I agree. I only bring him up because he believes that the murder was staged. He believes not the murder. Obviously, Charles was murdered, but like right. the, the but whole the setup scene. of everything. So. Um, he believes there was no real reason for the killer to not use the front door. Why not just move Charles aside? He's not like a big man in any way. The kitchen window in which the murderer supposedly escaped from was extremely small, only two feet and opened inwards. Added to that, there was a bunch of dishes and things on the counter that most definitely would have been disturbed by someone climbing through this tiny window. The window box on the outside of the window wasn't destroyed or even spilled onto the ground. It seemed to be placed more carefully into the courtyard and there was like clay and a plant still in it. So how would one do that from the inside of a tiny window? Unless that's how the killer also entered. Right. Through a tube. (laughs) But the door. So. And then that neighbor said the door was open. So No joke. Probably a let's call her 120 pound woman. Okay. It was maybe like five feet, nine inches tall. Our window was the same in our kitchen whenever I was younger. And yeah. our door was locked and she was supposed to be babysitting us. And so she, I guess she came and she was like waiting for us to get home. And she saw that our kitchen window was open, took the screen out, 
popped into the kitchen that way. And yeah. it was probably only open yeah. a foot. And Ugh. she got in. And yeah. the window wasn't that tall either. You know, it's above the sink window. So it's yeah. like maybe, maybe two feet tall and was open maybe six to six inches to a foot. Right. But then how do you not knock all those dishes around? I mean, you. Because that would definitely wake up people. Right. Like, so if you're crawling in, so let's say you, you're coming in from the inside, outside, mm-hmm. I mean, you take the pot and you move it mm-hmm. to the alley or wherever it was. And then you like pry yourself in head first. Yeah. You put your hand on the counter, yep. you know, and just like keep pulling yourself in <laughs> and then like go in that way. I mean, you could have like hit the ground with your hands, you know, Yeah. Like, finally made it to the ground with your hands and like, you don't even touch the counter at all. Yeah. That doesn't seem likely though. I feel like I would touch the counter if it was me. I mean, I would have touched the counter, but only like the lip of the sink, you right, know, right. Like, to pull myself in more. And then like, of course, my feet would go into the sink, but they wouldn't touch the stack of dishes. Like it's easy to maneuver yourself around the dishes. Right. Interesting. Totally possible. So uh, this police officer, he sincerely believes that the mysterious man from the taxi may have witnessed something and wanted to stress that they just want to know what he saw and will be viewed as a witness and not a suspect, obviously, unless he actually is a suspect. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but even then. Like, come forward. If you're just a witness, you've nothing he to fear. dropped off at 12.30 a.m. to his apartment? Yes, yes. Or 12.40, yeah. And 60-year-old man, Guire, Guire? Guer? Tyra? Tyra. <laughs> he was just going to bed. At 12. So he was already asleep. Okay. So he wouldn't know if anyone else came in. Until 2.30 with... when that guy. He wouldn't know if, if, some, if Charles brought someone home. Right. Got it. Right. It is believed that this man from the taxi will be a big, like it's, will give hope to solving the mystery. Yeah. In 2011, an article in the journal claims that due to advancements in forensic science, fingerprint found close to the scene could reveal who the murderer is. The police also believe that some potential witnesses may feel safer now to come to the police with any information since the relationship between the police and the gay community has changed so drastically. In 2017, I don't know what happened with the fingerprint. I didn't see anything about like results so i don't think anything in 2017 the police issued an appeal for any information regarding charles's death they wanted to speak with anyone who was at the hot pot cafe that night and are still looking for the blonde man from the taxi as a witness right those are our main the main suspects that they looked into so now we can we can discuss more and talk about theories the two men by the bathroom yeah i don't think there's anything to it I don't either. I think they were just talking. Yep. Unless one of them was the man in the taxi. Yeah, but he was picked up like a mile away. That's true. And I don't know. Like it would just in a a town of a population of 900,000 or city in a town with a population of 900,000. It would just be so coincidental if a taxi like randomly stopped and was like, oh yeah, let me pick you up. Unless it was instructed by Charles. Hey, I know that guy. Go ahead and pick him up. Which is possible because I don't know. Very possible, I've yeah. never really heard of a cab picking someone up while they're driving someone somewhere. No. Mm-mm. 
but I don't know how it works in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think those two men have anything to do with it. I think they might know, like if he was planning on going home with somebody or something right. like they might, if he knew them, like they might've had a discussion or I don't but know. But he wasn't even known for them. like mm-hmm. hooking stuff, so. Right. Then there's the man in the taxi. I no. still don't. I don't know. I yeah. feel like I don't think that Charles knew the killer. I don't think so either. Unless, like, I don't rule out. I don't know. I don't think Charles knew the killer. I don't know if it was like a robbery, like he was caught in the middle of a robbery or. They did mention that, but nothing was taken like from the house or anything so so someone was like made their way into the house but they didn't have the intention or they were just opportune killers because they used a knife and a cord that they found in the house and that means they were in the bathroom at some point because they found that cord in the upstairs bathroom to like tie him to a chair you know so we don't know okay we don't know also if tyler brought someone home right and lied about it because he felt so guilty about it right yeah the next one i wrote was the taxi driver i don't i don't think it was the taxi driver i don't think it was because also because we're gonna talk about this policeman that was stationed at a neighbor's house because one i think the policeman would notice if that cab came back like oh there was another cab you know an hour later or whatever and the cab showed back up also, how did this fucking policeman at a neighbor's house who was on 24-hour duty not hear anything? Did he fall asleep? At a neighbor's house. He was guarding. It was a judge. A judge lived there, and he was, like, a guard. Mm. But, like, did he fall asleep? Was he in the loo at the time? Like, what? Or was it the police officer? No, he would have had bloody clothes. There was no blood found at this, like no bloody clothing found at the scene. There was nothing of the suspects found at the scene, which means that the suspect did get away. So now I rule Tyler out. Yeah. And the police officer. Yeah. Because I was also curious if the police officer could see where the taxi dropped, because he dropped the two men off at the same time. But that doesn't mean that they went the same direction or went in the house together. So I was like, did the police officer see where they went or just like see them drive by or saw them get dropped off like what did he see right i feel like he must know more than he let on at the time yeah um i was like or maybe they did live in that building maybe that's why maybe he was a neighbor and charles is like oh i know him he lives where i live let's pick him up and you know what i mean like right maybe he even lived- then if the police are interviewing neighbors they would have recognized the description of the guy and been like are you it's true you know that's true. Also, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. Two. Like, think through all of the things, you know, the suspect usually likes to get involved in the investigation or mm-hmm. be a part of the investigation. And so I'm trying to think, I mean, could it have been any police officer? Possible. Because no one else, like, it doesn't sound like anyone else was, like, inserting themselves into the investigation. The police officer could have, the one that was there, could have been like, hey, I think there's two gay guys. Yeah. Presumptions to a different police officer. Here's the address. 
you know, and maybe he didn't do it, but maybe he like instigated it or just made it known. And then some fuckhead was like, all right, I'm going over there. And but even then. It wouldn't be you couldn't without being like heard over the radio or something because there were right. no cell phones. There was no way to like contact. Yeah, that's anyone. True. It's true. I did write the sleeping man upstairs, which is Tyra. Yeah. Only because. He was also a set designer for RTE and he was 60. Charles was only 32 and he was set up for a pay raise and he got promoted and he gained special recognition for his set design on the Twinks Christmas special only a month before his murder. So I'm not saying he did it, but like he could also be jealous of. Yeah. This. I also thought about that. Like, could it have been a jealous coworker or something along those lines? Because someone half your age is surpassing you. Yeah. And if he wasn't gay, someone half your age that's gay is surpassing you. And that's thought of a, that's like even more of a jab at Tyler. Right. right. But I feel as though if Tyler were a 60 year old man and knew that Charles was gay, he wouldn't have stayed in his house. Number one. Right. If, if he had that. If he cared. Right. If right. he cared about that. And which Vincent, I think the roommate was also gay. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Vincent's out of town. So the only other thing I could think of is that maybe somebody was going after Vincent. And got confused. And not got confused, but got, mm. like, was caught by Charles. And Charles yeah. was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And then boom, you know, he like, but totally then again, be. you're right. Like, he didn't go there prepared. He didn't go there with a weapon or anything. So, But some murderers go and then just use what they can find with the intention yeah. of killing people. This was, I don't know. And then my other thing too with with Tyra is the curly hair guy is that and like I'm sure he was fingerprinted. You know what I mean? Like even back mm. then they had oh, yeah, there was design, a so I'm sure he was ruled out. So I don't I really don't think it was him. I didn't. I just wanted to make sure I covered that and been like there yeah. is this to think about. Could it have been a total stranger? Yeah. I mean, nah. I want to say yes, but even then, like, that's way too convenient. Yeah. Everything was way too convenient. I think it was someone that knew him and knew that the roommate was out and accidentally walked in on Tyra sleeping and you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he was looking for Charles, but it sounds like Charles was awake anyway and like downstairs. So yeah, maybe Charles fell asleep on the chair. Yeah. And the guy passed him to go look for him in his room or and Charles was already dead at that time went to go and he was looking for something specific you know yeah, yeah. I don't know what or a cord to tie him up yeah it is weird that the cord was upstairs like you'd either have to know it was there or you were looking for it but then like I feel like you're looking for it why would you tie Charles. him up why would you tie him up after you stabbed him though so why would you I don't know I feel like he was there waiting for Charles the whole time. Like, I feel yeah. like he got there. He found the cord. He found, you know, everything else that he needed for the murder. And then Charles came home and he's like, was. Yeah. Murdered. I don't know. I could see that. I do think I don't think it was a stranger. I do think it's someone that knew him or yeah. followed him or something, even if he knew him from like a distance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Like a stalker of some sort. Yep. Um, this is my last theory. A serial killer? 
Yeah, I thought about that too, because you mentioned two murders happened afterwards. Well, okay, so that one. Um, there was an Irish serial killer at the time, Malcolm MacArthur, who also visited Bartley Dunn's pub. He was known in the gay scene and knew Charles. And he was arrested only 10 minutes from Charles's flat. He murdered a woman at one point and a man at another in July of that year. He was interviewed about Charles' murder, but he didn't remain a suspect. I think the fingerprint, I think he Would got ruled, ruled out. out. I think he got ruled out. Unless, I mean, the fingerprint, are they sure it was from the murder, though? I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. The teens that had beat and killed 31-year-old Declan Flynn. Yeah were supposedly part of a group that were determined to get rid of all the gay men with full support from society in Fairview Park. But it's not the same. The five teens had suspended sentences. Like, it's just not, they beat him. Like, it wasn't, yeah. you know, the five teens had suspended sentences for manslaughter. I don't think they had anything to do with Charles's murder at all. No, it doesn't sound like it. And then, okay, this is a theory that, like, I kind of strung together and there's no solid information tying them to it but just listen so on september 8th 1982 so this is eight months later john roche 29 a hotel porter in cork which is where my family is from oh which is not i don't think it's near dublin or it's it's not like a part of dublin it's a different town so john was stabbed in the chest due to homophobia he was also tied to a chair the man, Michael O'Connor, 26, who stabbed Roche with a six-inch knife was found guilty of manslaughter, which I'm sorry. Like, according to this newspaper article, he fucking bought that knife to, with the intention of murdering this person. Yeah. Because they had, like, seen each other a few times. Not seen each other, like, dated, but, like, well, probably, in all honesty. He said that he was chatted up by Roche several times, but saw that he was hanging out with gay people and refused to go up to his room for a cup of tea. But then he agreed another time and bought the knife and went up with the intention of killing him. So get the yeah. fuck out, Ireland. It was murder. It's not manslaughter at all. It was definitely planned. Yeah. Gross. Michael O'Connor claimed that he stabbed Roche due to Roche making a move on him. He was sentenced to five years. And I think that this is interesting. I can't find any evidence that ties them. Because this happened after the murder of Charles self, and it was literally the same. He tied him to a chair and stabbed him with a knife. So I just don't, I don't know. Just yeah, that was that's interesting. I mean, it sounds very familiar. But I can't find a picture of him. Like, I can't find any other. And his you name is super like common. Yeah, so. Hair. Or a blonde <laughs> hair. Right. or blonde hair from the taxi. Yeah. Or like if he was in Dublin for work or, you know what I mean? Like, I know nothing. I can't find any. Well, actually he was unemployed, so he wasn't yeah. there for work, but yeah. Mm. I just thought that was interesting because they're very similar. And what if he's like gay and then, you know, he had a habit of hooking up with men and then was like, no, because he's homophobic because, you know, those right. people that have the fear because they have those feelings or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's very interesting. Yeah. Charles was also seen speaking to a man at Bartley Dunn's um, earlier in that evening who was in his mid to late 20s and had a duffel bag. Another man was seen mid to late 20s in Monkstown, like in his neighborhood, opposite of where Charles's flatwoods. He had short brown hair, a beige tweed jacket, and dark trousers. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, these are all eyewitness 
reports and like so half of them I'm like well it's also nighttime <laughs> right half How of them I'm good like are you I don't seeing? think that that's probably accurate or maybe they are thinking of a different night or maybe that you know what I mean yeah so I'm like uh so I'm trying to like look between all of that and try and find something in the evidence but the only thing I keep coming back to is Tyra you're in the apartment at the same time like Go back into your memory and tell us. Although he's probably dead by now. He's, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Be like 120 by now. So. He died in 1995. Yeah. Any other theories? Not that I can think of right now. I'm so mad though. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very frustrating. Before I wrap up, wrap up, we're going to talk about Irish laws regarding hate crimes. So a 2016 report by LGBT Ireland studied the national or perform, did a study um, called the National Study of the Mental Health and Well-Being of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Intersex People in Ireland. It was shown that most LGBTQ plus experience positive thoughts on their well-being, um, but they show rates and, of self-harm and suicide that are three times higher mm-hmm. compared to their non-LGBTQ plus peers. Yep. Which if you're feeling suicidal, please, I don't have the number in front of me. Oh my God, hang on. Which if you are feeling like you're struggling with self-harm or suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's the American one. Uh, I don't understand any of this. Uh, The one in Ireland, I'm going to do the one in Republic of Ireland and I'll do the UK one. So the one in the Republic of Ireland is one 800 I don't know what any of these things mean. I also, eight four eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says Republic of Ireland local rate and then Republic of Ireland minicom. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a different number based on a landline versus a mobile. So I'll do minicom. Mm-hmm. So in the Republic of Ireland, the suicide hotline number is one eight five zero six zero nine zero nine one, or the one in the UK is plus four four do you say the plus i don't know zero eight four five seven nine zero nine one nine two just in case yeah i don't even know how i would begin to dial that but y'all know those are your numbers y'all know in 2018 it was reported by the irish council for civil liberties that ireland has the highest rates of hate crimes in the european union against people with african background and transgenders primarily From 2006 to 2014, it was reported that there was an average of 158 crimes with discriminatory discriminatory motive every year. Most of these crimes were racially driven, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. These acts are not usually reported to the police, maybe because there is no hate crime law in Ireland regarding sexuality. The Prohibition of Incitement to Hatred Act was signed in 1989 but it was ineffective and it did not cover gender disabilities and it didn't protect travelers so like if you were like racial um tension or whatever if you were traveling from another country yeah according to an article from april of this year in the irish times they have created new hate crime laws in ireland they're just doing it now it is now a specific criminal offense to commit a hate crime based on race sexual orientation gender or gender expression slash identity It also encompasses nationality, religion, ethnic, and national origin, and disabilities. This hate crime law covers the display of any content intended to incite hatred in a public place, which includes social media, 
Yeah. And can carry a prison sentence of up to six months. However, the evidence must be specific and founded before they can be charged. The offenses include assault, coercion, harassment, criminal damage, death threats, or threats to cause harm or endangerment. If it is deemed a hate crime, it can double the sentence given for that same offense. So if you get charged with harassment, it'll double. It can double your sentence if it's um, a hate crime. I know it was approved in April. I don't know how long it will take for this legislation to actually go into effect um, or if it already is, but yeah, better late than never, I guess. So the aftermath, we're literally done. I have like three things. The murders of Charles Self and Declan Flynn put a huge impetus to fight for gay rights in Ireland. They were the tipping point. Yeah. Charles Self's good friend, Bill Mayer, not the famous one, the other guy, <laughs> is still fighting for justice for his friend, Charles. He explained that Charles was just promoted, was about to get a pay raise and was getting more work. He was in a good place. He also states that he lived in the house for six months and could count on one hand how many people Charles brought home. It was not in his habit to bring home people yeah. or hookups, which is a big stereotype, I feel, which yep. they focused on and I like it. Um, Another loose end, but I don't think it's related in any way, is that almost exactly 14 years later, Alpha O'Reilly, who hired Charles for RTE, left his home and was never seen again. Neither was his car. The investigation is ongoing and the police are not too hopeful that it will be solved, but they refuse to close it. Any thoughts? Now that I know he was recently promoted, it just amplifies me thinking that it was one of his coworkers, yeah someone who worked with or someone that was fired or let go from the position prior yeah something i don't know if you or someone in your family has any information or if you'd like to share your own theories please feel free to email us at mrreticle at gmail.com excuse me <laughs> had to get one in there somewhere yeah better late than never yeah better late than never Follow us at Mr. Reticle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers. And don't trust your government. Don't hate people that are different from you. You just eating those plain? Yeah. Are they a flavor? <laughs> I have oh. those ones. They're the most bland mm -hmm. rice cakes. <laughs> I usually put like hummus on it, but or anything. I, mm -hmm. I usually just throw. I get the. I like the plainer ones because I'm like sometimes I want sweet and sometimes I want not sweet. So. Mm -hmm. But those ones have like zero salt. So they're literally just like a, a cake of solidness. Yeah. <laughs>